0: what was your impression of elon working with him
1: demanding the best um demanding it fast and you know not a lot of room for for bullshit and uh and wasting time and um so yeah i'm hugely inspired i learned so much from working there and when observing that um yeah yeah and and just people talk about like the 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 Steve Jobs reality distortion field, you know, when he was speaking on stage and all that, um, you know, he, he, Elon's different because he's not perfectly crafted like a Steve Jobs, right, where it's, like, the perfect words and the perfect cadence, you know, you get a lot of ums and ahs and, and you know, uh, that sort of thing with Elon, but it's, like, it makes him human, exactly. Uh... But yeah, those team, you know, gatherings, company meetings, where he's speaking about the vision and 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 you know where we're going and multiplanetary, like that just made me so excited. It, it's 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 uh, yeah, the way he speaks about that and, and inspires, like.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the We Love to Build podcast. I'm here today with Jeremy Lassman. He is a former SpaceX technologist and now the co-founder of Quantum Star Systems, which aims to employ cutting-edge quantum computing cloud services. He is also the founder of The Passion Company, a multidimensional research and development organization focused on accelerating the world's conscious evolution to superhuman. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Jeremy, why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about how you uh, got yourself involved in SpaceX and these other two companies, and we'll go from there.
1: I actually got involved with SpaceX um, literally like right after high school or like my uh, last year of high school uh, because it was uh, about 2006 and it was a startup, a relative startup back then. I think I was employee number 110 or 111 or something like that. Um, and uh, basically my passion sold me. I didn't have a lot of uh, business or company experience at that point, uh, but the CIO at the time uh, really saw the potential in me and he gave me the opportunity, he saw that I was a quick learner, and that got my foot in the door. And then it was just proving myself uh, along the way, getting more and more responsibilities along the way. Um, and it was it was a blast. I mean, I I don't think you could have a better first first <laughs> company to work for uh, than than SpaceX, uh, especially in that like startup phase. Um, and uh, so that's that's kind of how I got involved with SpaceX. Um, and then uh, yeah, getting involved with, uh, the quantum computing, uh, founding that company is uh, sort of, uh, the, uh, the Steve jobs to, to Wozniak kind of relationship where my partner, the CTO and co-founder is, is very the much the engineer, the technical guy, soft-spoken. And he really loved me coming in because I kind of provided that visionary like, uh, um, way of kind of putting it out there and, and, uh, and talking about it. Um, and along the way, helping to, to, uh, to start up the company. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, come in from more of a, a big picture, uh, angle on, on quantum research, quantum technology. Um, and it really is a, a broad stroke across a lot of my work in terms of the many different definitions that you can kind of uh, define for what quantum means to a human and to a machine, to technology um, and, and the, the play there. So that, that's kind of where I come at uh, in, in this. And what about The Passion Company? It's, it's my soul's work uh, in, in that it's the closest to where I am both the scientist and the artist here. In, in like really bringing about like uh something new and pioneering and um uh and all the ways in which I I play in that vein um and uh it's the big vision uh it's um doesn't exist on the earth yet uh, which makes it very fun to land something um and to take the big ideas and put them into something and and let that kind of grow uh and basically we are i see a a vision for a whole new industry the passion industry to support humanity especially as technology advances um i see passion as the focus that will help humanity stay current with evolution uh and to uh still have purpose as technology really starts to change our life, change many industries. Um, and, and that's kind of where the idea starts on, on all this, all all the work that I do uh, in the R and D. How can you combine passion and technology in a way that
0: inspires other humans to care about protecting their future through learning to get better
1: as a human The best way that i can answer that through our discovery and through how we treat passion is we look at passion as the fuel of human energy uh not just a volatile emotion the fuel so in in the uh, automotive metaphor or the battery metaphor passion is the thing that kind of is the, the battery of our life force and the fuel that either drains or is powered uh, on all levels of body, mind, spirit, soul. It's the fuel that runs through the whole system. And uh, that's that's kind of what I coin as my imagination technology uh, uh, intellectual property is, is the way to look at the body, mind, and spirit as this bi-directional energetic system, in which passion is the fuel because passion kind of spans that gap if that makes sense where it's not necessarily a physical thing we can't see it with our senses and it's it's not only an energetic thing it kind of or a better way for me to express this is you can be passionate in excitement or you can be passionate in anger so it kind of is beyond the polarities there it it is encompasses both as a fuel of of our life um and and that's precisely why it should be and why i've been studying it as a new field here because this is what i believe humanity will need to again stay current uh as we both uh technology and humanity ascend up uh this evolution together
0: recently we've seen Things like ChatGPT and MidJourney and Dali and and these other generative AIs come in and very quickly make it seem like artists aren't necessary, content writers aren't necessary. Obviously, you know, there's more nuance to that because they haven't stolen the show. They've made it so that we can do our jobs better and faster. Um how many years do you think until quantum just comes and absolutely
1: destroys everything? I, I believe we're on that on the time scale of, of whoa, one to two years and five years at the max. but're we're, we're probably going to see something in the one to two year scale, especially in terms of, of what we're building. Um, so that might be a little bit of an accelerated pace, but it's it's years. It, it, it's years. Which kind of to connect to the question before that again, which is why passion and and soul is is so imperative here because that's the difference between quantity uh, and and actual like quality uh, and, and that's really again what makes us individual what makes originality um, and and allows that collaboration between. AI and and humans to be um, productive and uh, um, flourishing.
0: I remember as a kid, my grandfather was in his 60s and he had never worked with a computer in his life. He never needed one, but all of a sudden his company started pushing him to use a computer. And he said no thanks and he retired. He never used a computer in his life. He refused to. I believe that what happened back then in the 90s is, a, is going to repeat in this decade where if you don't learn how to use the AIs that are coming out you will lose your job to someone who's willing to learn,
1: it's it's definitely a, a very potent theory, a very possible theory. Um, and I I, I I would I would agree with that because, in not not necessarily like in a replacement sense, but in an augmented sense, these things are going to help whatever your uh profession or career or skill it's gonna it's gonna augment it if you like you said are on the bend or on uh, uh, with it you know um and but then so i i, I would agree like 80 percent but then there is the uh other side that i can kind of see where no you, it's not imperative if your, your passion, your craft, soul are, are up to speed because then it is about that quality and the originality that can only come from you regardless of the tools that you're using um, to be faster or, or um, to augment the performance in some sense to come down to that, like if we're talking artist level or whatever that profession is, um, it's that other side where, no, it's not, you don't necessarily need it. Uh, Just like people can do math in their head and and they don't need a calculator, right? Uh, It's sort of that, but it really goes down to that signature. what, What makes it original, individual, Uh, only the the signature that only you can do that's really what it comes down to to me uh, in in the other side of that coin
0: yeah there's definitely some examples of that I watched a documentary a long time ago about this uh, craft of making swords in Japan where they will spend months if not years making a single sword and when it comes out, they're masterpieces and they'll sell for tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because they're like the only person in the world that can make the sword like that. Right. Um, and there's people that will study for 10 or 15, 20 years as an apprentice under these masters. And like by the time they're 50 or 60, they're starting their career almost. Like They spend their entire youth just trying to figure out how to not screw it up. And um, so... You know, I, I think some of those things may last, but I think anything that could be digitized is probably a different situation.
1: Right, and, and, and in that vein you're talking about like the augmentation, the performance uh, efficiencies and, and things like that, that speed up the process or, uh, yeah, exactly.
0: There was a story earlier this year about a team of researchers that had used math to uh, and Google's quantum computer to simulate a wormhole. Have
1: you heard of this? And what do you think of it if you have? Everything is possible. So I, I definitely see it uh, um, because the capability is there. You're, you're just talking about uh, the focusing and the precision of how you are programming that photon or that, that q, the qubits that, that you're um uh manipulating uh so i see I see the potential of it um but I would kind of what I would want to know is what the term means like wh- what is what does the wormhole mean in in the in that in the context
0: I guess it was trying to prove that you could use quantum computing to simulate the fact that black holes or wormholes are potentially uh a way to get to another
1: universe that's actually a core uh um Part of the the innovations that our company, the Quantum Star Systems, is is innovating, um, is that uh, that multiversal or the multidimensional parallel uh, programming techniques, like what what has to happen to be able to program using parallel universes. What does that actually mean, in layman's terms, for business owners? <laughs> classical computing means that you're computing in a and writing software in a, a linear a b c d e sort of uh thinking uh with quantum computing you're not and you're using the qubits to access parallel universes um to get the solution uh Instantly is is the kind of the promise of quantum. Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: Mm. Let me see if I can try to if I can try to regurgitate this for you, or not for you, but for myself and for everyone else. In classical thinking, there's an order of operations. You're forced to use those order of operations, typically because you're constrained by an x, y, or z axis. With quantum computing, you're no longer constrained by anything, and therefore you can skip all of, you can skip all of the order of operations and go to the fastest way possible through all of the nonsense and all of the noise to the destination you're trying to go to. Exactly. Let's try it like this. I'm an investor and I have no idea what quantum computing is and you want me to give you money. Pitch me.
1: Right now with classical computing, it's like parallel. You add you add computers, right? To to scale, right? So you're you're in parallel adding a bunch of computing nodes to to scale performance and then when you give it a Very, very complex problem. It's going to chug, 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 distributed over all those computers. And the faster you want that to go, the more money you have to throw at it. Correct? And then you think about, okay, what are the most complex problems? Big data, uh, AI, ML, all these things that you want to be able to compute. Structured data, unstructured data, and complex algorithms. Well, at a certain point, it's not feasible to go horizontal like that, where you're just adding computers and adding and adding and adding to scale. But with quantum computing, you can do that same amount of work faster on a a quantum computing uh, platform because you're no longer distributing computing power over many computers, but it's inside of one. What is an example
0: of a current problem that the world faces that a quantum computer can compute the answer to that a classical computer can never in our lifetimes?
1: There are certain like financial algorithms that are super complex that would take a classical computer years, years to chug. That can start to be done uh, closer to uh, fast, like (laughs) instant almost. that's the kind of order of magnitude that you're th- that you're that you're thinking there.
0: Why is financial the first thing you think
1: of? Because we were speaking investor investor language there for a second, right? Um, the I mean, go to automotive and uh, neural networks and training and all, all of that. Like, right now Tesla is doing it with their Dojo supercomputer, which is the scale uh, parallel um, approach, right? Um, and how many gigabytes terabytes of video are they chugging with that every single minute hour days and then what's that doing to the whole training of the neural network and how long that takes to get better you're talking like and then the more cars added that all can be done a lot faster in quantum so it seems like we're heading
0: inevitably into a realm in which the only way AI becomes valuable for us is if it's com- if it's tied to a quantum computer.
1: I believe that that's where technology is 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 heading, and and in the uh, the language of abundance as well, where what the technology is going to provide us uh, because of that. I mean, just go to Star Trek, right? Uh, I'm sh- sure you've watched or are a fan of Star Trek, fellow, uh, um, where. If you, if you can go to a place in your imagination and with Star Trek where you can replicate any material from nothing, right? And what it takes on a compute and uh, technologically to be able to do that, to print uh, you know, their holographic, their, you know, Earl Grey tea hot from uh, materialized, right? Uh, I mean, that's the Star Trek vision right there, right? Of abundance where... Uh, if, if that's the case, we're really challenging a lot of scarcity uh, I- ideas and, and concepts that currently on earth right now, right? Because in that future there, there really is no need for for money at that point because you can materialize any resource that you want uh, in theory, right?
0: Do you think then that quantum AI and 3D printing are going to come together? Of course. How long do you think until that happens?
1: That's probably what, like, the five to ten year scale of things, Uh, if not more. But that's what my gut says. It's gonna. If you see how fast AI is moving in the last year, (laughs) I mean, uh, ChatGTP just came out what November of last year, or publicly, I mean, where there was October or something like of last year, right? And and all the, uh, as you mentioned, the image genera- uh, generative AI, uh, Dolly, and all, look at how fast that has just, and then you got Microsoft the other day talking about, we're integrating it into Bing, into uh, Teams, into Edge browser, and now Google has their bar, like it's fast, it's happening. Fast And it's only going to get faster. We're accelerating here.
0: (laughs) So for reference, we recorded this episode on February 10th, 2023, although you're probably watching it around May or June of 2023. So by the time this actually airs, this conversation will probably be invalid.
1: (laughs) That's a good point. It's going to be interesting to reference, uh, listen to it when it releases and see how much has changed just in, what, March, April, May, two, three months, right?
0: (laughs) In the eyes of Star Trek, this idea of the replicator, do you think it really uses a sort of 3D printer? Like, how, how do you think that technology would actually work?
1: In terms of materialization what i see is because you got to look at how 3d printers currently operate right they're laying down pieces of plastic right layer by layer for like or metal or and it's uh 3d printing right instead of going line by line on a piece of paper line by line and building it up from a material that is like injecting into it right uh but i think How this could work is you're getting to a light level, the light, the light level here where you're instructing, and I've never thought about it this deeply so bear with me here, Uh, you are instructing a printer to basically lay down layers of light at a certain frequency So, everything has a frequency. Uh, A a, a rock is a very dense frequency. Um, A light uh, light bulb has a frequency. So, you're able to manipulate and print, basically, layers of light at a certain frequency that are the material that you are wanting to materialize. Uh, Would be my guess here.
0: I'm curious why you went the light route because it seems to me like, like let's say for example, this bottle. This bottle somehow is holding water, probably because of the way that the plastic is designed. Although if you were to go down to the atomic level, there's probably holes in between the the plastic molecules or whatever chemical formula is used to create the plastic but for some reason it's holding the water, just like the table that my computer is sitting on. And the table presents as solid, but really it's just a bunch of atoms that are really tightly packed together. In which case they're just atoms. So wouldn't we be laying down different atoms based on a chemical formula of how that thing should present rather
1: than light? I don't know. I've also never thought about it. Quantum is subatomic. That's where the programming uh, layer is, right? Is you're subatomic and you're programming uh, a photon to uh, output something, to do something, to get somewhere. And from that subatomic, you're giving it instructions for what atomic to become, to to become uh in a sense so the instructions are starting from light and then i i think you're you're on i think you're on something there right where it's like at at a certain point it does translate into a chemistry right An, an atomic chemistry from there where that comes from a frequency that that comes from uh vibrating vibrating the um vibrating the atoms the light at a certain frequency which then becomes something either dense or or light you're you're, you're vibrating yeah it's uh, I've, I've legit i've not thought about it this deeply so i really appreciate it but it's fun
0: <laughs> well there's probably a lot of people that like star trek i don't know uh so it's, it's interesting to think about because like i've i've watched every single Star Trek episode and every single Star Trek movie and all of the animations and all like like hard, hardcore fan. And it wasn't until recently when quantum started to become a thing in our, our world where I was like, pretty sure we need quantum for that to happen. Probably need AI. You probably need some sort of database that understands the recipes of the things that it needs to materialize and dematerialize. Then you need a way to manipulate how things are created and destroyed. Um, But then you also need to understand the chemistry of it all. But then you need to possibly have a way to store those chemicals in mass in order to be able to create those things, unless quantum plus AI unlocks for us the understanding of how to manipulate light in a way that it can create chemistry. At which point you don't need to store the actual atoms in tanks anywhere. You can just create them out of thin air and destroy them. Although classical physics tells us that you can't destroy or create matter. So quantum is the only way to do it. So why aren't you guys creating a replicator?
1: But uh, yeah, I mean, if anyone's listening to this that wants to... Uh, be involved in that and wants to collaborate and, and be involved uh, in some capacity. Because as you could tell, I'm more of a big picture guy here uh, in, in terms of how I see things, um, not necessarily a technical guy. Uh, so yeah, if someone's inspired, please reach out and, and let's, let's uh, brainstorm. I'm always open to that.
0: You would think it's completely unrelated to entrepreneurship, but in fact, there's a massive opportunity because we do live in a scarce... In a scarcity, you know, uh, global economy, and so if there's a way to destroy scarcity, then you can sell that. And at some point, you run out of units to sell, and at which point you can then make a version two, version three. So there, there is uh, an entrepreneurial angle to it. There is business opportunity, um, and that's that's really my angle to to make this relevant to this conversation.
1: But you can also see how disruptive to, to the species that is because a lot of purpose is derived from scarcity right now in the species and it will be defended. It will be defended um, as evolution will try to de- defend something old uh, as it falls out of favor. There will always be that defense um, because it changes everything. It changes value. It changes a whole host of things um, if, if that problem or, or concept is, is solved, um, right?
0: Even if we don't solve scarcity in our century, AI is already disrupting our world, and it's going to move a lot faster, and it's going to be really hard-hitting for a lot of industries. And no matter how hard people want to kick and scream and fight about it, their industries are going to be disrupted massively. And there's no no way around it, you know? And I think quantum is going to make that happen much faster. You worked for SpaceX for how many
1: years? Six, seven years, something like that.
0: Did you ever share a space with Elon. Like, did you ever talk to Elon directly?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, not as much as like the uh, engineers and rocket scientists and uh, things like that. Uh, my most notable uh, kind of project involvement and, and uh, experience with Elon was after the first successful Falcon 1 launch. I believe it was flight four, three or four.
0: He was about to go bankrupt. And if the fourth one didn't work, he, he was personally done.
1: Done. Right? And I didn't know that at the time. Um, but that fourth one happened, success. Uh, and uh, basically I worked with him uh, to create a music video. Um, he chose the song, uh, Crystal Method High Roller, uh, the song High Roller by Crystal Method. Um, and he said, go go, make a music video of our launch. Um, and I, I don't know if people realized at the time uh, I think this was 2008 or something like that. The only player, players in space launches are NASA and governments. Okay, and that's a pretty dry uh, uh, landscape if you, want, if you want to say it like that, right? So the idea back then, the idea of doing a music video to make rockets look cool and and like. To reinvigorate the excitement for space travel and going to Mars and all the things and the vision, right, multiplanetary. Uh, so there were some confines I had of like it had to still be kind of like um, professional, I guess, or, or or kind of rigid in the the editing of it. Like it, it couldn't be too too crazy. Uh, but yeah, I worked with him to create a really rad music video to celebrate that launch. Um, and he revisions and he, well, we worked on it together and, uh, it was my most exciting kind of project there. What was your impression of Elon working with him? Efficient, intense, um, demanding, um, yeah, no, no frills, like, uh, demanding the best, um, demanding it fast and, you know, not a lot of room for, for bullshit and, uh, and wasting time. And, um, so yeah, I'm hugely inspired. I learned so much from working there and and observing that, um, yeah, yeah. And and just people talk about like the, the, the Steve jobs, reality distortion field, you know, when he was speaking on stage and all that, um, you know, Elon's different because He's not perfectly crafted like a Steve Jobs, right? where it's like the perfect words and the perfect cadence. you know, you get a lot of ums and ahs and and you know, uh, that sort of thing with Elon, but it's like it makes him human exactly. Uh, but yeah, those team, you know gatherings, company meetings where he's speaking about the vision and 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 you know where we're going and multiplanetary like, that just made me so excited. It, it's 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 uh, yeah, the way he speaks about that and and inspires like, yeah. Do you think we're gonna make Mars happen? <laughs> I've watched the pattern enough of deniers and doubters and disbelievers at every step of the way. Oh, you can't launch a rocket. Oh, you can't launch a rocket with nine engines. Oh, you can't land a rocket back on. Oh, you can't dock with a space. Oh, you can't. You can't d- drive cars autonomously. You can't. Every step of the way, he's proving them wrong. And everyone that they like, you can't do that. It's That's impossible. And after watching that pattern, it's like, yes, we're going to Mars 100%. <laughs> do
0: you see there's actually a reason to go to Mars? To boldly go where no man has gone before. He doesn't want to go himself. He's happy on Earth.
1: It's a lot to lay down first. Uh,
0: it's quite obvious that the first 50 or a hundred years are going to be extremely dangerous. There's a high chance of death running out of oxygen, running out of food, uh, you know, having your shelters destroyed or covered in dust so that your satellites don't work anymore. There's all potential, like what, what kind of people would have to want to go and live there to make it happen that they can't come
1: back. It draws upon, um, the adventurous spirit, um, and the same uh, uh, the same motivation that people join the military, the army, the the service uh, of of a of a country. Right, they're jazzed by that purpose and that risk uh, to put their bodies on the line uh, for something bigger than themselves. So I do think that that DNA. That adventurous spirit, that um, uh, courage, and that alignment to the bigger mission—something uh, s- greater than themselves for humanity—and uh, and actually like thriving on the risk, uh, and and that ser- and the service uh, to something, um, like people want to go serve in the military. There will be people that want that, uh, might, maybe not a lot (laughs) at first. Right. But that I do believe that DNA exists in, in people, uh, that are, that are jazzed up about that. Do you think we'll
0: have to learn to genetically modify those people before they go so that they can survive? Or do you think they will evolve naturally in a way over time while living there that they can't come back and their children can't come back and that eventually they will become a different
1: species? It depends on how far down you're talking about, because in the vision of a multiplanetary species, you can you it's plane flights. Go to Mars, come back. Like that's the vision of like when it's sustainable, when there's uh, the infrastructure and the rocket hardware to be able to in in um in bulk, right? To like a plane flight. That, that was his vision up front was like rockets were disposable and you'd launch one every year, right? But he saw, no, it's inefficient to throw them away every time. You got to, you do it like an airplane where you, you redo them, relaunch, relaunch, relaunch. And then you're launching every day, right? Every hour. So once that's in place, if we're going that far, I, I do believe it, it'll be like a, like a, cruise, right? You go to Mars and you come back. Um, but on an evolutionary level, uh, I do believe that, um, and this is what connects to the passion and conscious evolution. Uh, there will need to be some training, um, and some different, uh, understanding about time relativity. Um, And mind, um, because that that will it will shift dramatically. So it's going to be a whole different mindset. It's going to be a whole different set of conditions to adapt to. Um, but adaptation is key to evolution in here. So as long as you're uh, on the edge of it, you can stay with it.
0: By the time it's out of startup phase, you'd probably be dead.
1: I would want the freedom to come back. If that's a possibility in, in whatever the time scales that we're talking about, um, that would make me, I would go if, it, if there was a return flight.
0: How much is that return flight worth to you in dollars? Assuming we haven't beaten scarcity. Uh, like the
1: price of a house?
0: A million dollars? Great, then how can people follow up with you?
1: You can find me on all uh, social channels. Just search Jeremy Lastman. Uh, my face should pop up. Um, uh, I'm sure I can give you a a link that has all my links in it for the show notes or something like that. Um, my business, digital business card thing. Um, and then you can, uh, see what I termed as my soul's work at universalimagination.org, where you can see more about the R and D and the passion company, um, and, uh, get some, get some cool, uh, experiences and, and uh, a demo if you're interested. Um, and uh, subscribe to the newsletter for some great content uh, that doesn't disappoint. Um, and yeah, connect up if you if you want to brainstorm.
0: So uh, thank you for taking this wild ride with us if you're still here. This is very different from any kind of content I've ever done before, but, uh, sometimes you just have to nerd out and it, I, I actually ended up taking like a six or seven week hiatus from recording. So, uh, that's why things are off to a crazy start um, for fun in 2023, even though you're hearing this in the middle part of 2023. So don't forget that entrepreneurship is a marathon, not a sprint. So take care of yourself every day and understand that as we approach the future of our humanity and our society, whether it's now in the 2020s or whether it's in the 24th century or beyond, that entrepreneurship appears in many different forms and everything has the potential to make money. Unless you're watching this 500 years from now and you've beaten scarcity, then congratulations. But in the case that you haven't, there's money to be made. So get out there and go make it so that you can make your dreams come true. Thank you.